songs from the road. We're going to pick through this, this month, and then in the month of June, we're going to have another song that's going to lead us into the follow-up to the story. Next week, we'll talk about home, turning back towards home. We'll talk about a turnaround in a person's life. But today, we're going to talk about a wayward son. We're talking about a departure. He says, I don't know if you caught the lyrics, it says, Once I arose above the noise and confusion, just to get a glimpse beyond this illusion, I was soaring ever higher, but I flew too high. This, this next verse kind of relates to all of us. Though my eyes could see, I still was a blind man. Though my mind could think, I still was a madman. I hear the voices when I'm dreaming. I can hear them say, you know what I think that voice was? It was the voice of the Lord and the Holy Spirit drawing Carrie Livgren to himself. He says the next verse is, I was masquerading as a man with a reason. My charade is the event of the season. If I claim to be a wise man, well, it surely means that I don't know. On a stormy sea of moving emotion, tossed about I'm like a ship on the ocean. I set a course for winds of fortune. But hear the voices say, carry on my wayward son. There will be peace when you are done. Harry Livingston found his peace. You know what, this is, this is a song from the road, both literally and spiritually, figuratively. If you turn with me, turn to the book of Luke, chapter 15. Talk about context here. In this passage of Scripture, Jesus is talking. I'm not going to do a dance, by the way. We just bought a new mic. It's supposed to be one of the best headset mics. I'm not going to break out any Garth Brooks or anything like that during the course of the morning, okay? We've had some issues with... Recording quality and several other things. So we bought a new mic. Another one flopped around, so we found one that's going to stay put. Is that okay with you guys? I like to have my hands free, if you hadn't noticed. My mom used to tell me if they tied my hands behind my back, I couldn't talk. So the fact I don't have a handheld mic is great for me right now. In context here in Luke 15, we find Jesus talking about lost things. He talks about lost coins. He talks about lost sheep. He talks about lostness of people. And the funny thing about this, this, this particular story is the rest of them are lost. Really, to know, the lady lost a coin. The coin didn't just go like run away. The story of this son, this lost son, this man made some choices, made some decisions. And all of us, every day, are faced with decisions. We are faced with things. And those decisions are either going to lead us closer to the plans and the purpose and the love and the, the embrace of our Father, or as Jeanette described, they could be decisions that would lead us away. And usually, getting lost does not happen in an instant. I heard a story this week about people in Tar Hollow State Park mushroom hunting. Anybody know how big Tar Hollow State Park is? They were lost for several hours. They did not end up there in five minutes. It took them several wrong turns and several issues of not paying attention, and suddenly they didn't know where they were. They didn't know how to get back. Our lives are much like that, and we have to be diligent about making right decisions every day and asking the Lord to direct our paths and help us know what he wants so that when we wake up one morning, we don't go, whoa, where am I? Let's read here in Luke 15, start at verse 11 with me. 
Jesus said this. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now instead of waiting until you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, his younger son packed all of his belongings, took a trip to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money on wild living. Tragic story, don't you think? We're about to approach Mother's Day. And our moms, probably most of you hearing this story right now, is like, oh, I, that would, oh my, I can't even imagine what that would be like. To have my son or my daughter demand certain things of me and then to one day wake up and they'd be gone. Wouldn't that just wipe you out? Wouldn't that just drive you crazy? You know, we have to be constantly walking with our Father, knowing His heart, understanding His mind. You know, the first step of this departure, if I can get this to work, is found in a brief piece of, a brief passage. A very small part, he says, the younger told his son, the first step is this, God, Jesus, God, Dad, whoever, give me what I got coming. Now, he said. He wasn't willing to wait. He wasn't willing to, to do what God required of him. He wasn't willing to do what his dad asked of him. He wanted his stuff, and he wanted it now. How many of you guys have been through the drive through lately and not gotten what you wanted as quickly as you wanted it? Has that ever happened? Huh? How about when you're in a hurry and you, get, you go grab those leftovers out of the fridge and you sling them into the microwave, you put them in for how long you think they're going to take to get them warm, and you jerk them out because you're in a hurry to get someplace else, and you're like, it's still cold, and you're like, ah, can't nothing comes fast enough. Am I right? How, how many of you have been promised certain things in life, and you wonder when it's going to happen, and you get frustrated. Anybody get like that? Huh? Wonder when it's going to materialize, when it's going to, 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 to take shape, and you get frustrated and angry. I want my stuff, and I want it now. Anybody been there? That's the first step. You know what I think? I think that kind of mindset has gotten our country right where we are right now. I want my stuff, and I want it now. And don't tell me I can't have it. Because you know what? I'll get a loan, and I'll get it. Whatever happened to, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Seems like that thing's turned upside down, isn't it? Huh? I deserve certain things. Government, you're supposed to provide those things for me. You're supposed to give me stuff. Am I right? That's the first step to a prodigal journey is that right there. i got to tell you something. We as a nation, we are on that track. We are on together corporately as a nation. We are on a prodigal journey. We demanded our stuff. We wanted it now, and, we, and that's, this is where it's gotten us. You don't have to like it. It's just the truth. And you can hear voices as you're walking through H.H. Gregg. Don't go there. Oh. You hear those voices when you drive past a car dealership. You drive in that one neighborhood of town where those houses are for sale. 
Oh, hey, hey, come back. Daddy stands on the porch and goes, don't go there. No, 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 no. He does. When we think we are owed something from God, from life, and from others, that is the first step to being on a product, toward a life of prodigal living. When we think everybody owes us something, when we think that the government owes us something, when we think our parents owe us something, when we think the people around us owe us something, when we think the church owes us something, when we think Jesus owes us something, when we get there, we're walking down a crazy path. You see, because we're supposed to be living in a life of grace and mercy. What does that have to do with anything, Aaron? Romans 3.23 says this. We all, everybody say all. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you, too. We all have sinned, all of us, and fallen short of the glory of God, all. And I would venture to say probably a lot of us in this room have probably done that this week. I don't have anything gross or nasty. Well, you didn't have to. I'm sure you've thought a thought or watched a show or something else that probably you'd think, oh, if Jesus was here, that probably would have been a good thing to be watching. I hope he didn't hear that thought. I just, you know what I mean? We all have. And then Romans 6.23 says this. We've all sinned, but the Bible says the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. What's it got to do with this particle living thing? Well, we got to remind ourselves, in order to not get on this particle journey, we got to remind ourselves where we come from. We all have sinned. And because the wage of sin is death, we all deserve certain punishment. And if we think God owes us something, we got problems. Are you hearing me? Sometimes we could be walking on this path with Jesus for, for a while that we begin to think, you know what, why do they do that? Man, I, I just I had an amazing conversation just yesterday evening. You guys may find this funny and you think, where, where were you? I had a conversation about Jesus with a guy standing over a beer. That's the honest truth. I was at a wedding reception. There he is holding a cup of beer. He said, can I talk to you for a second? And I said, sure. And I said, he said, I really appreciated what you had to say at that wedding today. And his, ears, his eyes began to well up with tears. I used to walk with Jesus. I don't know what's wrong with me. There he is. Bud lied in hand. He says, but I, I do stuff like this. And I looked at him and I said, sir, you just ain't worried about that. You, you get back on track with him, and he'll take care of that. What's well, my vice? I said, I don't care. Can I call you sometime? Absolutely. And he began to talk about how he and his wife had gotten divorced many years ago, how they'd gone to church for a number of years, and he knows the scriptures. And I know Jesus is standing there waiting for me. And I said, he's standing on the porch waiting for you to come home. Come home. See, it's just as easy for any of us sitting here right now to end up where he is. If we think, the Bible says, be careful when you think you, you do not fall, because that's exactly when you're going to. So 
We have to live under grace and mercy. Mercy is this. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. See, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So when you start demanding from God what you think you got coming, you better think twice about that. Huh? That's what we had coming. Well, God, you said. God, you did. God, I think you should. He thought you shouldn't. And grace is this. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. See, none of us deserve to be able to walk into the throne room of grace with boldness and make our petitions known. None of us deserve to be able to walk into a facility like this and worship the God of heaven. None of us do. None of us deserve to be able to take our prayers before him and say, God, I know you're capable, I know you're, and I know you're listening. See, he doesn't have to listen if he doesn't want to. We've already broken the covenant, but he chooses to listen to us anyway, and he loves us. He's already giving us what we don't deserve. He is already. I don't know what you're going through, and I don't know what things have frustrated you, but listen, He's already poured out an abundance in your life. He's already grabbed a hold of the things that are plaguing you. And he's saying, you know what? I'm with you all the way. The next time you feel frustrated about life, think about all he's already done. Now, this departure, it begins in the heart before it ever, before it ever materializes in the, out, in the outward. How do you know that, Aaron? Well, James 1.14 says this. Each it, the cause is lust. The initial cause is lust. James 1.14 says, But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Dragged away and enticed. See, so many times we want to we blame Satan for our frustrations and our failings. But you know what usually we do? We set the stage, and then we invite him in. We dig the ditch, and then we fall in it. Am I telling the truth? I've heard people at times, I know it's not right here, but I wanted to do it anyway. Don't we do that? You know before you get an argument, I should not say this. But I'm going there anyhow. I saw a hand back there. We'll be praying for you, brother. Huh? Our heart can already be down that road and we still be physically near in location. Did you know that? How do you know that? Look at this. We, we talked, it's talked about, it talked about two brothers in this passage of Scripture. We're going to look at the, the older brother for just a minute. We, we know the younger brother just took off and he went crazy, right? Look at this older brother. Luke 15, 20 through 30. The older brother was angry and he wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've worked hard for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And all that time you never gave me even one young goat for, for a feast with my friends. See, already, even though he hasn't materially gone, coming out of the box physically and going, I'm going to go crazy, in his heart he was already going crazy. He thought, he thought his father owed him something because he had done everything just the way the dad told him to. And you never done that for me, God. You never done that for me, Dad. I'm going to lose this watch. You know, we can get caught up in that. See, the, 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 the thing begins in the heart. The heart is the real issue. It's not so much the action as what's going on on the inside because what's going on on the inside will lead to action eventually anyway. So you can be sitting here right here this morning and think that, 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 that because you've done this and you've got your little 
your little whatever it is, your religious checklist. I've done that, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that. And then you look at somebody else that's being blessed or their life is going right, and you go, God, I deserve that too. And you just, they made such a wreck of their life, and you're blessing them like they are. You ever been there? You ever got frustrated like that? I can remember one time, you, don't have, you won't believe me. I sit down for a minute. I can remember one time I had been serving Jesus with all my heart for a long time. I had a heart to do ministry and walk and, and do what he wanted to do. And I had a friend of mine who was, was a nominal Christian at best when we met, you know. Just a nominal Christian. Went to church on Sunday morning. That's about it. You know, did some other crazy things. Matter of fact, had a full-ride scholarship to the University of Houston. By the end of the first semester, he got kicked out because his GPA had dropped so low. And he'd become an alcoholic and several other things. And, and I met him right after all this happened. And he... I remember one day we were sitting in, in, in the store we were working in together, and he came walking over, and he was holding a track in his hand. And he's staring at it. They should have known. It's like he's seen a ghost. They should have known. Why don't they know? Like, what are you talking about? What are, and he's just like muttering under his breath, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on with him. And they should have. I don't know. Turns out he'd spent about an hour and a half with a couple trying to sell him a camera. Before the thing was over, they appreciated him so much and thought they were doing the work of the ministry, they handed him a track for him to come to know Jesus. And that moment in time became a pivotal time in his life. And he thought, why don't they know that I'm a Christian? What, what about me isn't signifying that I'm living a life worthy of the name of Christ? And he was just, he was just, he could not, he, he, he just was, I, I, I could, I'll never forget the look on his face. As time went on, I was going to Bible college at the time, and he went to, to, to a couple of chapel services with me and a couple other things. And I'm, I leave Kenrick's to go work at Praises to manage the store there. And as I'm in there one afternoon, he comes in. He'd moved on from, from Kenrick's as well and was actually shooting photography for Chillicothe Camera, Picture Perfect Studios. And we were sitting together, and, and he came in. He said, and his eyes look almost just like they did the first time, that, that, that first situation I described to you. And he said, Aaron. What should I do? And I said, well, what's going on, man? He said, he'd just been through the lay minister's training in his denomination. He's a licensed lay minister. And they offered him a position as a pastor. And I was struggling to do what I was doing, you know. I said, man, if you feel like this is something God's called you to, you have no choice but to, to go. And do what God's calling you to do. I tried to be really cordial to him. He walked out of the door. I remember walking back to the back room of the, the store and going, what's the deal with that, God? you got to be joking me. I mean, you know what, what is that all about? I'm trying to do what you want me to do. I've been trying to walk with you for a number of years now. I've almost completed Bible college. He's never even been to Bible college. I'm trying to work. I'm volunteering my time at the church and doing all kinds of things. I got a wife and I'm trying to get all these hours and my mind's going crazy. What is that? What's up with that? And I was just like this older brother in this story. I could not rejoice if my prodigal brother had come home and God had lavished him with opportunity and blessing and life and purpose. I was mad because I didn't, wasn't getting mine. I remember later that day, I remember later that day, I was like, God, the Holy Spirit grieved me. Like, what is wrong with you? You've prayed for him. Let my business with him be my business with him. Don't you worry about what he's doing. Kind of what 
Jesus told uh, Peter about John. Let me take care of him. I'll, you take care of you, okay? And so we, we, we can get there really easily. And so be careful. We can be sitting right here this morning in our heart and our thoughts be far away from the hearts and the thought of God. You know what? I find something very funny here. We think of the prodigal son, his whole intention for asking for a step was so he could leave. I'm not sure that's the case. If you read, let's look at the next step. He, he, he was, something propelled him out the door. It was a catalyst of something that caused something to happen. His initial response was not to leave. He just wanted stuff. I wonder what could have happened. Then it's like a departure. Well, what are you talking about? Look, it, it says here in um, verse 13, it says, A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings to the trip to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money, all the grace entrusted to him wild living. I wonder what it was. I wonder what happened that night before that morning. I wonder what happened the day before. I wonder what happened at breakfast. I wonder what went on. Was there an argument? Was there some sort of disillusionment that he suffered? I wonder if there was some kind of a, a disappointment that he had underwent that maybe dad had said certain things to him about his place on the farm or whatever and God, his dad didn't come through for him. I wonder. I wonder what, what took place because you know what? When, we, when our mind is already thinking down lines of I, I deserve something, it doesn't take much to kick the, rest of the door the rest of the way open. Isaiah 53, verse 6, says this. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. No matter what situation in your life or my life has made us think our way is better than God's way. See, I think, I wonder, I kind of figure that there was something, maybe it, there was some sort of a forgiveness issue. Maybe the older brother and the younger brother bumped heads that day. And the younger brother thought, you know what, I got all my stuff. I'm not hanging around here for this kind of trash. I don't have to put up with this. And forgiveness and bitterness propelled him out the door. I wonder. Because, you see, he didn't just take his stuff and run. It was a few days later. I'm not sure his initial intention was just to leave. I don't think it was. I think he just wanted his stuff. And then something happened that once he got his stuff, he's like, you know what, I'm out. I'm just done. Can I confess some more to you? Is that all right? Can I do that? I can remember being a, a senior in high school. I can remember working a job for almost three years. I can remember my senior year in particular, I really got my life back on track with the Lord, and I had tried really hard to, to be a light in the in the, in, in the place I worked. I worked in a bowling alley of all places. You hear about Shawnee Lanes? $75 million, Pete. No, I'm just kidding. That's a lot of money. And somebody here close by got some of it. 
anyway. And Sonny Lanes is raking in like 75000 or something crazy like that just for selling the stinking ticket. The Bible says don't be envious of evildoers. <laughs> just telling you. Anyway. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> it, I worked in this bowling alley for like three years. One of my best friends helped me get the job. He was long gone like three months after I got the job, and I stayed there. I don't know why. I hated bowling. I wasn't a bowler. I didn't do stuff like that. I still can't bowl to this day. My, my youngest daughter will, can I say this, kick my butt on the Wii bowling. She bowled a 278 the other day. I'm like, 141. Yeah! So here I am in this, in this facility working. I worked hard that last year that I was there trying to really just let people know who Jesus was. And my father had taken a job back here in Ohio and had moved back here in March. And I had told my boss that shortly in June I'd be leaving and, coming and, and moving back here. So I was basically turning in the notice and letting him know, you know, way in advance what was going on. And, Oh, Aaron, I hate to hear that. And you've been such a good worker for us, blah, 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 blah. And one day in May, I was working on a Saturday afternoon, I believe it was. And I knew that life was changing for me. I had a really rough day. Ever had a rough day? You ever had, a, had such a rough day you just felt like throwing in the towel? Anybody? You ever have such a rough have a, did you ever have a rough day? And think about throwing a towel, but something make you not throw in a towel. You ever have one of those? What am I doing? Well, I didn't go that far. I had a really rough day with some of the customers and a couple of the employees. And on a Saturday afternoon, I looked at the person relieving me, and I said, hey, I'm out. Well, I know it's time for you to go off. I said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm way out. What are you saying? I'm saying, tell Russ I won't ever be back in this place. And I walked out the door, and I never went back. I quit. About six, eight months later, we moved back to Ohio. I'm trying to get my life where God wants it to go. And one day I'm praying, and the Lord's like, you've got some stuff that's left undone, bro. I don't know if God talks to you like that. That's how he talks to me because he gets my attention that way. I'm like, what are you talking about? left a sour taste in people's mouths. Listen, I just up and left. I just quit. I knew I had some other stuff coming to me. You know what I mean? And so it was just easy for me to just go, okay, I'm gone. I don't need this anymore. Thanks, but no thanks. And so I walked out on them, and I walked out on my witness all at the same time. I wrote a letter. I sent to my old boss, and I said, you know what? I have to apologize to you and everybody else that worked with me because I did something that was very wrong. And I tried really hard to let you guys see who Jesus was, and then I blew it, and I, I left you with a sour taste. And I got a really nice letter back from him, and he said, Aaron, we just didn't know what to think. It was so out of character for you. We didn't know what to make of it, and I, it, you've proved to me that you are what I thought you were because no other person would write a letter like that. And I'm not saying that to, 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 to boast or anything like that. I'm just saying I've made mistakes too. I've walked out when I thought I had stuff coming. I've quit when I should have kept going. Much like this guy in this story. God will give you the years that have been taken away from you. 
by your own decisions, by your own trash, by the decisions of other people. He will, he's in the process. That's what he does. He's in, the, he's in the business of restoration. Fortunately, I don't work there anymore because the place doesn't exist because it burnt down. That's the truth. What in your life, what in your life is instigating a departure? What do you believe God owes you that he hasn't come through on yet? What catalyst has caused you to waste his grace? See, grace was, remember what grace is? What's grace? Anybody remember? Raise your hand real quick. Anybody? Jerry. That's mercy. Jason. Getting what you don't deserve. See, this young, bro- this young brother here, this young son, he hadn't worked long enough to deserve all this stuff his dad gave him. Okay? It was completely unmerited favor. Right? Right? And so God, his father, just hands him this stuff and says, here, it's yours. And he goes out and he wastes it. Has ever wasted God? Any of you ever done that? Anybody? Taking the grace of God for granted? Uh, I have to. Wasted it. Wasted gifts and talents and callings and stuff. Just wasted them. And he went out and he spent them fruitlessly. He wasted God's grace. So what catalyst in your life has propagated that? I don't know what, what it is for you. Maybe it's an unanswered prayer. Maybe it's a promotion you thought you should have gotten. Maybe it was some sort of an accident that occurred. Maybe it was, I don't know, maybe, maybe it was something a, a brother or a sister said to you right here in this building. And you've not yet got over it. And it just kicked you out the door. Maybe not physically, but maybe spiritually and emotionally you just kind of checked out. What is it? See, if you are slightly walking down that prodigal journey, we can still get it back on track. How many of you guys have ever been on a particle journey? Anybody? See, I could tell you a story. My wife's not here. She would usually be sitting there. My wife ran away once when she lived in Kingston. It lasted for how long? Like 15 minutes. She packed her bags, walked out the door, and kind of walked around the block. Okay? Some of us have done that kind of spiritual journey. Some of us have packed our bags, walked out the door, and went, oh, maybe right now you've just kind of like stepped your, your, just your, your pinky toe out the door and like, I don't know what's going on. Some of us have taken really long particle journeys like this guy. We went out and we, no matter where you're at on that scope of things, Maybe this morning, maybe just the thought has entered your mind, I deserve stuff. You've just inched your way there. But you know what? It makes no difference where we're at. The grace of God still extends to us right where we are, right here today. If, you, if you've just begun that journey, bless God today so that you can get it turned back around, have to go through all that trash and waste all of it like this guy did in this story. If you're already way down that path, bless God anyway because he's standing in your way today and saying, come on, come home. See, you don't have to keep going down that path. You don't have to keep walking down that way. How do we get this thing fixed? What's the remedy to a wandering heart? See, the issue is really the heart. 
The issue is really where you are in here. That gentleman I talked to last night, the real issue right now is what's going on in here. He's doing stuff. He said, I, I drank, I smoke. I, I said, listen, I, you know, I, I'm not amped up about that. I got an uncle who thinks those same kind of thoughts. Talking to him one day. He said, Aaron, I want to come to church, but I got to get some things straightened out. And I said, listen, you can't get it straightened out. And if you've got issues today like we just described, you can't get it straightened out either. It doesn't have to be smoking. It doesn't have to be drinking. It can be forgiveness. It can be agitation. It can be frustration. It doesn't have to be anything really huge and big, but anything that's got you going, oh, I'm inching towards the door. Today, Jesus will help you get that straightened out. You don't have to go down there. His grace is huge. Remember, the gift of God is eternal life. And we believe right here eternal life doesn't start after we die. It starts the minute we come to him. The minute we turn it around, the minute we give it back to him, he starts doing something great in our lives that lasts forever. The Bible says he's faithful to complete what he starts in us. And so today, if he's starting something in you, you can get it turned around. Pick your place on the range. One being I'm just, I'm just inching towards the door. Not quite got my hand on the handle yet, but I'm kind of right there. Backpacks packed like Rachel. I think my mom found me walking down the road one day too. Now in the alley. I was an East End kid. Can I get a witness? Anybody in here from the East End? Yes, Lord. I see that hand, Kim. I'm right there with you. Woo! I was walking down the alley with my dog. My mom sees my hat and my head bouncing in the wind going down the how old was I? Four years old, something like that. I'd leave in town. I was leaving town, Jack. Me and the dog are gone. How do you fix that wandering heart? Huh? How do you fix it? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked. Here's the first thing you need to do be more concerned with your nearness to your father than your stuff. Be more concerned how close you are to your heavenly Father than you are about the stuff you think he deserves to give you. Be more concerned about your relationship with him than you are about all the the things he's promised. Be more concerned about loving him and being what he wants you to be rather than getting what he wants to give you. Be more concerned about those things. That's step number one in the remedy factor here. Realize you need him not just when you walk the aisle the first time. Some of you may never walk the aisle with him. But listen, today can be the day. If you're the prodigal like Carrie Livgren and you've been wandering around trying to figure out what life's all about, today's your day. Look at your neighbor and tell him today's your day. Don't presume you know where they're at. You may not know. Be more concerned. There's a father who loves you, and he wants you more than anything else. Now listen to this. Step number two in your remedy issue here is this. Concentrate more on what you do have rather than what you don't have. I've been thinking this week, it's amazing how God just does little things for you. My grandmother's in in, in the hospital. I told you guys that. Fighting some sort of cancer. We still don't know what. Keep praying. The doctors will figure it out. Please. Just please do that. They, they came back, and they thought we were going to start chemo on Wednesday morning. She had ovarian cancer. They were sure of it. I left the hospital Tuesday afternoon, early Tuesday evening. Sure, I asked the nurse, is anything going to change us? We don't think so. It's slim to none. I said, okay. By 9 o'clock, I had a phone call. The chemo's off. They don't think it's ovarian. It's, it's lymphoma, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Blam. I'm like, how does that happen that fast? I don't know. 
That night, check this out. God is so good. See, my grandma could be sitting in that room right now, thinking about how bad things are and what she doesn't have. She doesn't have her freedom. She's locked in a, in a hospital room. She doesn't feel well. She doesn't have any energy. She's weak. Her legs are swollen like this. All kinds of things are going on. But you know what? I walked into the, into the hospital Wednesday morning. My grandma said, guess what God did for me last night? And I said, what? And she said, the nurse that worked the third shift at 16 year old, 16 years old, fought lymphoma B, and we sat here on my bed, and she encouraged me, and I just didn't know what to think. That was a gift from God. And I sat there like that and went, wow. She said, you know, you're a gift from God. She said, the nurse looked at her and said, well, you know, he does provide. Later Wednesday afternoon, I'm, I, I, we're in there, and the doctor's coming in with some more reports. He's a young fellow working at OSU, an intern there on the team. He walks in, he says, well, here's what we're going to do, and he starts explaining some things. He says, do you guys know about the nurse that was here last night? We're like, yeah, we know about that. And he's, he went on to say, That's a, I just got chills when I heard that. And he's like, he looks at it, he goes, I don't know if you guys believe in that kind of stuff. I said, oh, brother, yes, we do. See, we can get amped up, think about what, what's not going on right now, but I would choose to look at what God is doing. You see what I mean? We can, we can we get all concerned about that. Just this week, my wife was to clean out a drawer in our house. God just does little things. It reminds you what, what's going on. Ten years ago, ten years and two months ago almost now, driving home from church on a Sunday afternoon, we leave here. When we got here, there was no snow on the ground. When we left, there was like scissors of snow on the ground. We drive home, down dry run, we roll our car. Christian was four months old in our car with us. And just this weekend, I'm preparing for this message, I find that my wife cleaned out a drawer, and there's a picture of our mashed-up car. And I had to remind myself, everything God has done for us. I could be amped about how bad certain things are, but you know what? God's done so much for me already. He's poured out so much grace on me already. He's done so much. I'm going to choose to concentrate on those things than the things that are messed up. Because Jesus promised us that in this world we would have tribulation. Things are going to get messed up. But that doesn't change the fact that he is good. It does not change the fact that he is faithful. It does not change the fact that he's coming again. And he does make great provision for us. Romans 121 says this. You should be thankful. It says this. Because although they, they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful. Are you listening to that? One of the things that leads you on a, on a prodigal journey is not being thankful. You can know God. You may not be glorifying him as God, but you can know him. And if you're not thankful, you just keep walking down the path. Because it goes on to say, they became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Thankfulness is a key, a key piece of the puzzle here. Psalm 100, listen to this. I like these kinds of psalms because it gives me, gives me license to be like I am. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with thanksgiving. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Why? For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures for all generations. I know it's raining outside, but if you can't get excited about this, your wood is wet. 
I love that last part. For the Lord is good. It's like David's going, that's a confirmed fact, man. His mercy is everlasting, like Jeanette prayed just a little bit ago. She doesn't see my notes, by the way, either. And his truth endures to all generations. Last point. Turn around. Watch the remedy. Turn it around. Get it turned around. Bring your heart back to the Father. Psalm 119 gives you this question. How can a young man cleanse his way? Question. How can a young man cleanse his way? Do you guys want to know? Knee takers. Now, if I had CDs like Mickey Robinson, somebody come running down here in a hurry. Anybody want to know how to cleanse your way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart, I have sought you. With my whole heart. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I might not walk out the door and forsake you. See, the issue is all in the heart, people. Let not my heart wander, the psalmist writes. With my whole heart, I have sought you. Let me not wander. Your word I've hidden in my heart. Today, I don't know where you are. I don't know where, what song from the road echoes on the inside of your being. I don't know where you are on this prodigal journey. I don't know where if you're in on a prodigal. If you're not, you know what? You're with me. You know the Lord's good. You know his mercy is everlasting. You know his truth endures to all generations. But maybe you're not quite there. Stand with me.